You're listening to Femme Innovation, hosted by Bethany Corbin. Bethany is a trailblazing leader and top voice in women's health technology and femtech. She inspires entrepreneurs to transform society's perception of women's health by disrupting and enhancing standard models of healthcare delivery. In this podcast, Bethany connects with the industry's most powerful and innovative voices to facilitate hard conversations about the status of women's health and break down barriers and taboos that restrict access to necessary healthcare services. This podcast is not intended as legal advice and is not an endorsement for any product or company. Now, here's your host, Bethany Corbin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Femme Innovation. I'm really excited to dedicate this episode of Femme Innovation to discussing public speaking opportunities for women's health founders and those in the women's health space. Joining me on today's episode is Bobby Carlton, who is the founder of Innovation Women and Carlton PR and Marketing. Bobby is an award-winning marketing, PR, and social media professional, and she's also created an online visibility bureau for entrepreneurial, technical, and professional women. Bobby is a TEDx speaker, an entertaining startup event host, and she's spoken at the United Nations, among other incredible speaking accomplishments. Bobby has also been featured on CBS News. She's been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Boston Globe, USA Today, and other major media. And her claim to fame really is that she is inspiring thousands of women to take control of their own speaking careers. And she's working with event managers around the world to help deliver diverse and inclusive events. So instead of having male only panels, she is working really hard to enhance the visibility of diverse speakers. So really excited for this episode today and to talk about how we can enhance our own professional and public image through speaking opportunities. So welcome, Bobby. I am so excited to have you on the show today and to really walk us through the speaking opportunities and engagements and how to make your talks better. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for this conversation for a couple reasons. But first of all, you know, I know that I can make my speaking better. And so you bring a wealth of knowledge to this industry and this space with your background in PR, plus your innovation women platform. You really are helping women get out there, get speaking opportunities and get noticed. And I really want to start by just asking you, how did you even get into this field and what led you to want to create Innovation Women to help others? Oh, wow. Okay. So to go back in time, picture a very young me. I have a broadcasting degree. I actually worked in radio early on in my career. And after college, I went off and got involved in public relations, where I spent a lot of my time getting executives on stage at conferences and events. Public speaking is often part of a thought leadership campaign from a public relations point of view. And eventually, I ended up as the head of global PR for a couple of big enterprise software companies. I worked with some agencies. And again, my job was getting our executives, our companies out there and getting them visibility. And I will say that when I talk to people about the inequities in gender, in terms of getting women on stage at conferences and events, I always feel a little bit of guilt because I feel like I am part of the problem. The first probably 20 years of my career, I never had a female client. I never had a person of color. 
as a client. Like these are the people that I'm getting on stage. So yes, I was part of the let's get white men on stage, what I call the male pale and stale folks. It's the same four old white guys over and over again. So Basically, I was working with all these corporate folks. I went off and got involved with a startup where, yay, I have a woman founder finally. And then in 2008, when the market fell off a cliff, our startup couldn't get funding. And so that's when I started my first company. So my day job is I still do public relations and marketing. For several years, I was running a startup event in Boston called Innovation Nights. And that led to me starting Innovation Women, which is my platform to help more women get on stage at conferences and events because two-thirds of all conference speakers are men. And that leaves women out of so many business and career opportunities. You're absolutely right. And I can't tell you, I've got some friends, not in the women's health industry, but who are kind of top-rated speakers. And one of the things they always say is they're kind of that token female speaker on stage. And a lot of their mission as well is to bring more women with them onto the stage, right? Open the doors for those other women. And that's exactly what you're doing with the Innovation Women platform. And Bobby, I have to say the content that you put out in your newsletters, I would never have guessed that you have a full-time job in addition to Innovation Women because (laughs) that content is gold. I mean, you are, and and I don't want to spoil it, I'll let you get into it, but you are telling women what conferences are open, what resources, I mean, you even have something for a green room where they can come in and practice and create videos. So, So talk to us a little bit more about what Innovation Women offers and how that has successfully gotten women on stage. Okay, so... Innovation Women is a platform approach. I'm a big fan of creating systems. When I see a problem, I try to look at it from the, I'll call it the mega point of view. I don't want to just solve the problem once. I want to keep solving it over and over again, and I want to solve it at scale. So Innovation Women is a platform approach to getting women on stage. It uses my let's call it decades of experience in terms of getting people on stage to help matchmake. So each Innovation Women member, and there are more than 2,500 active speakers on the platform, they get a profile on the platform and they get access to, well, let's say dozens, hundreds, thousands of speaking opportunities We have a database. I think right now it has about 700 different conferences and events. And an individual event can represent hundreds of speaking opportunities. Big conferences and events will bring in hundreds of speakers. So the call for speakers is the basic currency for conferences and events. And if you don't know about call for speakers, listen, I'm not here to sell anybody on Innovation Women. I will tell you exactly how to find them. All you have to do is go to our friend Google and search on the words call for speakers and put in your topic and you will be rewarded with opportunities where conferences and events are looking for speakers. Now, we do all that work for you. We have a full-time research team. Event managers come to our platform. They put in their own call for speakers. 
And we also have what I call the whistleblowers. So the whistleblowers literally forward me information and say, this event, they need your help. They haven't figured out that women are experts and thought leaders too. So we get opportunities like that where people are raising the flag and saying, hey, this event really needs more women on stage. Innovation Women, though, is just more than a platform. It's a community. We have regular Zoom calls every week. We call them speaker friends. We have the green room that you were talking about where we have educational modules. Years and years of basically me spilling my brain out on camera. So each educational module will contain a video, it'll have articles, it'll have templates. It'll basically give you all of the information that you need to get yourself on stage and get that visibility that helps drive your business. That's incredible. And I can tell you there are so many features on Innovation Women that I still have to try. But for those who are looking for an easy spot to find conferences, this is definitely the place and it's broken out by category so you can filter through your subject matter that you're interested in. It's a phenomenal resource. So Bobby, thank you so much for putting that together there for all of the female speakers out there. I think it's tremendous that you have done that. Absolutely. (laughs) And Bobby, now I want to kind of pick your brain a little bit because speaking, I'm not going to lie, right? It's hard, especially if you haven't done it dozens and dozens of times. So we've got some new or relatively new speakers in the femtech community, right? Who want to get out there, get their names out there. What tips or tricks do you have for them or for individuals who might be newer to the public speaking realm, but really want to give it a try in order to boost their brand and their credibility and visibility? So when somebody asks me about my tips, my tricks, I have to like say, what kind of things do you want? Because I have so many of them. This summer, we had a group of interns, four of them, who basically spent hours kind of sifting through all of the articles that I've written, all of the materials that I created, and putting them into resource pages. And I think in the end, they ended up with something like 37 resource pages, and they said, we're not even close to scratching the surface. Oh, wow. (laughs) So those are coming soon. When you say, you know, we're a lot, oh God, yeah, we're a lot. We're extra. I always tell people, it's like, you don't have to take advantage of all the resources all at once. It's always there for you. You can always go back to it. But all right, let's talk about tips. Number one is figuring out what you will be talking about. What is your signature talk? And I actually have a little methodology that I will share with you when I'm working with speakers who are like, I don't know what it is I'm going to talk about. So number one, let's look at your area of expertise. What are you an expert in? Number two, let's look at what you want to be known for. Like, I'm an expert in like, I don't know, cleaning the kitchen cupboards. Like I know the right things to use, the right scrubbing tool, the right product, but that is not going to get me on stage. And also, do I really want to be known for scrubbing the kitchen cabinets? No, I want to be known for public speaking. I want to be known for gender equity. Like these are the areas that I want to be known for. 
So that actually is what I would consider my brand. So we've got your area of expertise, your brand, and then the third area. Now picture these circles coming together, Venn diagram, the overlap. And that third circle is what is your audience interested in? Where can you solve their problems? Where can you ease their pains? What's a hot topic? So if you look at those three circles, you bring them all together, that is going to help you determine what it is you're going to speak on. Now, you have that focus right there. The next step is to figure out how you can deliver content that is more than one Google search deep. Where do you have a special thing that you can add on to what everybody else delivers? I usually call it the secret sauce. Where can you look at all of this information and deliver something that people can't find by searching online? Where is that something extra, something special? Maybe it's a concept. Maybe it's an umbrella, an overarching idea. Maybe it's a branded thing. Here's an example. We all know that there are all of these speaking opportunities out there. Last year, Eventbrite sold tickets to something like 4.6 million events. There are something like 60,000 individual TEDx talks. In the U.S. alone, there are 92,000 professional and business organizations. There are 300,000 monthly meetups. Like, there are all of these events out there. And what do they all have in common? They deliver content from speakers. So that tells me that there are an immense number of opportunities. And I created a little umbrella concept called the speaker's paradise. So I've branded it. I've taken my unique perspective on it. And I've created something that is mine and mine alone. So that is what I would consider a secret sauce. So that type of idea is something that I could build a presentation around. I could build a foundation of content that gets me seen as an expert. You can do that too. I love that, Bobby. And truly, you can. I think there's this misconception, right, that anybody who is getting chosen to speak at a conference or an event has years of expertise, right, or they're an absolute expert in whatever they are talking about. But there are opportunities, even at smaller levels, to start building your brand and building your speaking experience and expertise in order to eventually get to those higher level events. I think that's really important. What you said is finding that secret sauce and what makes you different and what do only you know, because that is going to help you differentiate whenever you go and you apply for these conferences. Brilliant advice, Bobby. And actually, I want to jump in. I think a lot of people, they start later in life in terms of public speaking. I think people need to start earlier in their careers. There are opportunities at every level. Number one, you need to get more comfortable on stage. Number two, you need to hone your speaking expertise. And number three, you need to build up a resume of experience where people can say, oh, 
she's done this, she's done this, she's done this. And I usually talk to people about a path that they can follow to the stage. And if they are at all nervous about public speaking or they haven't had any expertise yet, one of the things that they can do is they can start speaking by asking questions from the audience. And if you think about that, the speaker is done on stage, they finished up, round of applause, and they say to the audience, are there any questions? And a lot of times there's like this, well, let's call them crickets, okay? Nothing happens and the speaker feels kind of bad, like nobody's interested enough in their topic to ask a question, and it's an awkward silence. If you stand up, raise your hand, ask an intelligent question, usually when you ask a question, you introduce yourself, you provide a little bit of context, I'm the founder of a company, and then you ask your intelligent, well-thought-out question, congratulations, you are a public speaker. You have spoken to the exact same audience that the people on stage have spoken to. You've gotten yourself a little bit of expertise in public speaking, and it's a great way to get started. And it's a great way to network without having to go up to people and cold ask them questions because, you know, I was at a conference when somebody did exactly that, right? They raised their hand, they asked a question from the audience, and I, as another member of the audience, was sitting there going, you know what, I have some thoughts on what they've just asked. I'm going to go up to them and, and continue the conversation afterward. And so that was not only a way for me to make a connection, but I'm sure that person had multiple other introductions just because they asked a question. Very definitely. Asking a question is a great way to get visible at the conference, to network with people. People take note of you. Like It's just a good opportunity all around. And I do hear a lot people ask, I'm an introvert. I get nervous on stage. And I'm like, okay, let's start you off by asking a question from the audience. It's a low level of entry. Basically, you're just raising your hand from the audience. And on top of it, it's not scary. You know, you're not up on stage isolated from the rest of the herd. You are inside that crowd. You are still relatively comforted by that crowd around you. You don't have to be nervous. Absolutely. So, Bobby, let's say that we've had some speakers who have gotten, you know, some experience, let's say if it's at webinars, right, or smaller conferences, smaller events, but they want to take it to the next level. They want to get more of like a national event, right, or some some type of larger industry event that's going to have a lot more attendees, right, and a lot more publicity to their name. How does somebody go about making a leap whenever they might be relatively unknown, but they've got, let's say, you know, a handful of webinars or a handful of small local events under their belt? How can they really take that speaking to the next level? I think one of the things when people are moving on to the next level that they need to think about is have they created enough of a foundation for themselves as a speaker to be seen as an expert, to be seen as a thought leader. And there are also tools that you have when you want to move on to the next level. If you want to be a professional speaker, if you want to get paid for speaking, you need those tools. You need a video of yourself speaking so an event manager can look at that video and say, yes, they are understandable. They are comfortable on stage. They are making good points. 
You also need what is called a speaker one sheet, which is a professional looking piece of collateral with your speaking information, your biography, maybe a picture or two of you in action. So these are kind of some of the basic tools. We also recommend doing things like getting testimonials from other event managers so that you can show the event manager that you are easy to work with, that you are professional, you show up on time. These are like kind of all the important parts of building a speaking career or a speaking business. It's actually one of the reasons that we offer, thing you mentioned earlier, we have a platform that we partner with, a company called Answer Stage, that allows our speakers to make a video of themselves. They introduce themselves, they talk about their area of expertise, and they introduce the concepts and the ideas behind their signature talk. And that creates a nice professional-looking virtual speaker video. It's not you on a physical stage, but it is you talking to the camera and introducing yourself. And that's an important part of moving on to the next stage is having those tools. Oh, absolutely. And I'm sure this is kind of that million-dollar question that I'm pretty positive you get asked a lot, Bobby. But let's say somebody has made it to that next stage, right? And now they want to actually get paid for speaking. How does somebody get paid for speaking? I feel like that's like the million dollar question, especially for female speakers who oftentimes, right, might be expected to speak, right, or or come and talk to an audience for free. This is the most common question that I get asked. And it is something that I wish I had better answers for. I do want to make sure that people understand first the landscape of public speaking. Number one, half of all event managers have zero budget for speakers. It is not in their business model. They do not expect to pay anyone. And a lot of those event managers are at industry conferences and events where the way that they look at it is, I have assembled an audience of your best potential customers. You are the recipient of the fact that I rented out a conference arena, a venue. I have done all of the marketing for this event. I have done all of the work to create a trade show, a conference, and you want to get paid too? Come on. (laughs) So like that is a different perspective, I think, for a lot of speakers. So they have to understand the business model of events and conferences before they can figure out who it is that pays, because that's often the first step to actually getting pay yourself. So when I started Innovation Women, I did a survey of 360 event managers. Half of them, nope, not paying anybody. 42% pay some people. And people are like, ah, this is where they're paying men and not (laughs) women. No, no. This is where they are paying certain categories of speakers. They are paying the keynotes. They are paying the people that help them sell tickets. Like when you go to the mass conference for women and Michelle Obama is on stage, Michelle Obama is a paid speaker. They are probably paying her multi-hundreds of thousands of dollars. I think at one point, her fee was around a quarter of a million dollars. So that is the type of speaker that helps them sell tickets. 
So they are going to pay her and the other keynotes to show up. They are not going to be paying people that are doing breakout sessions. They are not going to be paying people who are doing the other different types of speaking engagements at the show. They may also be paying people who run workshops. There are these things I call shoulder workshops. They ride on the shoulders of conferences and events. Your conference is on Wednesday and Thursday, but if you pay extra, you can show up on Tuesday or stay through Friday and go to special workshops and you're paying extra. And the show is making extra, which means that they have extra budget for you as a speaker or workshop leader. So that's one strategy is looking at the events where you can look at the event and say, aha, they are paying the keynotes here. They've got workshops. I could potentially get one of those opportunities. Now, if you're doing the math with me, that leaves, what, 8% of conference events managers who are paying everybody? This is where it gets really tricky because I will tell you, there is no rhyme or reason to who pays in that group. There are some of the biggest, wealthiest events in the world that pay absolutely nobody. I mean, we're talking about the Consumer Electronics Show. We are talking about the National Association of Broadcasters. Like, they're not paying anybody as a policy. South by Southwest pays no one, right? This is a policy thing. But there are tiny little organizations out there who have a policy to pay each and every speaker, For years, I spoke at a small conference here in New England that was a writer's conference. They would put me up for a long weekend on Cape Cod at the height of the summer. They would pay me for my time. They would feed me. I had opportunities to do consulting work directly for some of their attendees at an additional fee. So I'm like, okay, it's this teeny tiny little organization, and yet they are positively paying every single person. You can also find corporations that pay speakers. They're bringing speakers in to run workshops. There are absolutely conferences that, let's say, look like they pay nobody, but have discretionary funds where if you are negotiating and they really want you, you might get paid. So I always say that the people who never get paid are usually the people who never ask. So you can start off the conversation by saying, do you have budget for speakers? Great opening line. It doesn't preclude you from speaking if they don't, but you have fired a shot across the bow and you have let it be known that you are interested in getting compensated. That's terrific advice, Bobby. And I think you're right. If we don't ask, we will never know if the opportunity will pay us. I feel like if they can get away with not paying a speaker, that's much more money for the conference, right? So they're not, I feel like, going to actively say, oh, well, you didn't ask about compensation, but let me randomly offer you this amount of money, unless it's one of those large conferences where you know kind of pays everyone. Kind of piggybacking off of that, how do you feel about conferences that require some type of sponsorship or money in order to speak at those events, those kind of pay-to-play opportunities? 
It's actually something that we don't allow on Innovation Women. I did not want to be a platform where organizations come in and target our speakers as customers. So we don't allow that. And actually, we spend a lot of time kicking those off the site. (laughs) We have a button on each speaking opportunity that actually asks our users to report if someone is asking them to pay to play. Now, it is also, frankly, a valid business model for some events. They are offering a service to speakers, and it may be relevant for some speakers. I try to discourage it, but as I said, it's a relevant business model for some people. And I think when we are speakers, we need to think really long and carefully about what our business model is. One of the things that we do at Innovation Women is we ask our speakers to select from a series of categories. And those categories range from, I always get paid, I'm a professional speaker, to everything's negotiable. My category personally is, I sometimes get paid. I get brought in by corporations and some organizations to do presentations where I am compensated. And I also do, let's call them uncompensated by the organizers speaking at some industry conferences and events. For example, if the meeting planners international group wants to bring me in where I can talk to meeting planners, I will be there with bells on. I will be talking to them about how they can use Innovation Women to create a event that is diverse and inclusive and gender equitable. You won't have to pay me for that speaking engagement. But if I'm talking to an audience that doesn't allow me the opportunity to, I'm not going to say sell, but to share my ideas and to share the ideas that I am trying to put into people's brains, like I don't need to be compensated for some things, but I need to be compensated if I'm going to be, I'm not going to say wasting my time, but not able to capitalize on what it is I'm trying to do. So if you understand your own business model and you have a clear business model, you may not need to get paid by the organizers. I have speakers who tell me that when they go out speaking, they just need to get in front of the right audience and they can walk out the door with hundreds of thousands of dollars in clients. They don't need the organizer to pay them. So understand your own business model before you ever get on stage. I think that is incredible advice, Bobby. And I feel as younger speakers, right, or more novice speakers are trying to get their names out there, right? I feel like there's a tendency, and I myself am guilty of this as well, right? But to accept every speaking opportunity that is offered to you because you feel like, okay, I'm going to get my name out, right? This is going to be one more that I can say I've done. And while there might be some merit to that at the very early stages, I feel like maybe there's less merit kind of the more established you get in your field where it's almost like you said, right? Is this a business opportunity that is worthwhile? for my time, my investment, my money versus the need to get my name out there. Yeah, I I hesitate to say younger speakers because I have seen 
more mature speakers. Let's just, I'm not going to say the old word. Oh, I said it. (laughs) I've seen more mature people who have not yet figured out how they deliver value from the stage. And I see a lot of these speakers who get up at industry conferences and events, and they don't do the hard work to actually deliver real value. And then they complain, well, I can't get paid to speak. And I'm like, because you're delivering a presentation that sounds like everybody else. You're delivering a presentation that sounds like you collected a bunch of information off Google. You're hard to understand. You're meandering. Like, I have a list of speaker sins. And I think that people really don't do the hard work that they really need to do to be a paid professional speaker. And that word professional is used very, very intentionally. You need to do the work to be a professional speaker. And if you don't have someone from the audience kind of running up at the end of your presentation saying, how much does it cost to get that presentation done for my group or my company, you probably aren't at the level where you could be charging. Oh, that's a fascinating take, Bobby. And you mentioned value. I want to dig a little deeper on that because I feel like a lot of audience members aren't even sure what value they should be delivering at a conference. You know, I feel like they say, great, you know, I'm part of this panel. We're going to talk about current events in femtech, right? Or current events in women's health or challenges in women's health. And I think it's hard to distinguish, okay, yes, I found that on Google, right? Versus what is that value? So can you talk to us just a little bit more about what value might look like in the context of being a speaker? What should you be trying to come away from the stage with your audience having learned or grasped? Yeah, several years ago, I was asked to do a TEDx talk. I didn't apply. And I, at the first, like, I get this invitation and I'm like, oh, my God, TEDx. You know, it's like every speaker's dream. Yes. And I'm like, absolutely, I'll be there. When is it? And they're like, Tuesday. <laughs> like, yeah, no, that's career suicide. And just for everybody's information, in case you didn't know it, TEDx and TED Talks take months to practice, to hone, to get a good idea. And they wanted me basically to do it in three days. <laughs> I ended up doing it. Not one of my brighter moments. And I will say a little pat on the back for myself. I didn't totally embarrass myself. I look at the talk and I say to myself, all right, all these things I would have changed if I had had, I don't know, four days, five days, a month, a week, whatever. But no, it was okay. But one of the things that they said at the time really stuck with me. They said, we want a presentation where somebody in the audience runs out of the room at the end and says, I can do that too. The whole idea behind TED is ideas worth spreading. Is your idea an insight for someone, a revelation, a roadmap? Is it something that they can use Can they walk out of the room and understand something in a way that they never understood it before? Or is it something that adds to their knowledge? Is it something that teaches 
Like you have to think about what it is the audience gets out of it. Too many speakers get on stage. I'm going to call it kind of a self-gratification mode. Like I have a story to tell. I want you to listen to my story. No, you have to approach public speaking as a service that you are doing to that audience. What can you teach them? What can they walk away with? That's really helpful, Bobby. And it kind of brings up a related question for me, which is some of the speakers you have seen on stage over and over and over and over again, right? The same industry conferences, right? It's kind of like, okay, I've seen that speaker and they've said the same thing 30 times. Do speakers kind of get to the point where they need to change their messaging, right? Or the value that they're trying to convey because they've already presented that aspect so many different places. (laughs) It's very interesting. Public speaking, I think, is very akin to the work that I do around messaging and branding for some of my clients, where often I have to say to them, listen, you may be sick to death of that message, but your audience may not have heard it yet. Or you could potentially be speaking to someone who has never heard your message. So you probably as a speaker, need to repeat your message more times than you think possible before it has gotten out to the audience that you need to get it out to, to either impact the world the way that you want to impact it, or to get people to do a thing that you want them to do. So on one side, there is the, you need to keep saying the same thing over and over again for the world to hear you. But on the other end, it's what you're talking about, where some speakers keep coming back year after year to the same audience. If you are speaking to the same audience, yes, you need to give them something new. You need to update your information. You need to move on to the next level. You can't stand still. I've been involved a number of times with the Women in Tech Summit. Great organization, fantastic. They do some amazing events. And I have spoken at their events many times over the years. And I can't keep going back to their events with the same presentation. So one of the things that I do is I look at other presentations that are being delivered to that same audience and say, where is the gap? Where is the thing that is not being addressed to this audience? And where does that overlap with my area of expertise? So this year, the presentation that I've been doing to their events is called, well, I nicknamed it Terrible Tech Talks. (laughs) Its real title is Making Your Tech Talk Better. But part of what I do with it is I demonstrate how people give absolutely horrendous technical talks and what they can do to improve it. Oh, that's brilliant, Bobby. I know we've taken up a lot of your time today, but this has been such an engaging conversation. I want to end with one final question, kind of related to what you were just talking about on making tech talks better. If there's one or two pieces of advice that you could give to femtech founders to make their talks better, right? Maybe they're having to talk to males in the audience, right? Or, or pitching their products to male investors. What pieces of advice would you give to our audience to make their talks better? Get shorter. 
not physically shorter. Some of you are probably <laughs> short enough. But I think that people tend to talk overly long and overly complex about their ideas. We're all really enamored of our own ideas. Like, there are ideas. We know them well. And we want others to know them. But you don't have to fill in every single piece of information for people. You can give them short bites of data that get them interested. You want to hook them in. You don't want to tell them everything. So leave something on the table. Get shorter with your presentation. And think about what hooks you can put in to pull people in for future discussions. Oh, I love that, Bobby. I love the idea of hooks, right? Because the conversation should continue after your talk, right? Or after your pitch, you want to leave them wanting more. Just like you've left me wanting more, Bobby. I <laughs> I will cut us off here because I know we're over time, but this has been incredible. Thank you so much for talking with me today. The insights you have given us are just groundbreaking and I think are really going to help a lot of our founders to make their talks and their presentations better and inspire them to go out and get more speaking opportunities. Yes, absolutely. And speaking of yes, that is actually one of the things that I tell people. If you get invited to speak at an industry conference and event, say yes, and then we'll help you figure out the next steps. I love it. Bobby, for people who want to get in touch with you or they want to learn more about Innovation Women, where can they find you? Innovationwomen.com. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And we'll include your information in our show notes. Thank you, Bobby. You've been a terrific guest. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. We hope to see you next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Fem Innovation with Bethany Corbin. To connect with Bethany, follow Femtech Lawyer on Twitter and Instagram. Visit her website at feminnovation.com and connect with her on LinkedIn. If you found value in this show, we'd really appreciate a rating and review on Apple Podcast. That helps others find the show. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Fem Innovation with Bethany Corbin. We hope you'll join us again next time.